Hello. Good. It is on. Good morning. And welcome to Washera Community Church. A special welcome also to the people who are joining us online. My name is Carrie Kingston, and I would also like to extend a warm welcome to those of you who are joining us for the very first time, or maybe you've been here a few times. Um, we're so glad you're here. We're glad that you are joining um, our family here at Washera Community Church. Um, Washera Community Church is a gathered group of Christians who exist to give creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples of Jesus Christ. We strive to love God and love others fervently. We have a couple of announcements, one of which is we are encouraging everyone to get cozy. Um, so as more people come in from the back, it's easier for them to find seats if you kind of move to the center. So if you're able to do that, please do so. Also, parents, please remember to check in your children if they are planning on going to Kids Church. That is in the foyer. Um, in front of you, in the seat um, back pockets, there should be connection cards um, for information and prayer that we invite you to fill out and put in the offering plates. Um, and another announcement is that the bulletin and sermon notes are now available together, um, available online for you to view. Um, and one more announcement is that Ladies Bible Study um, will be starting up on Thursday, March 23rd at 9.45 here at church. So at the Welcome Center, we invite all the ladies to sign up for that. So if you would, please bow your head in prayer um, with me as we open up our services today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for your holiness, for your goodness to us, for your love, um, for your generosity, Lord, for your patience for us, for your forgiveness. There are so many things that we are thankful for. Um, thank you that you call us into relationship with you, Lord. And I just pray that as we are worshiping today throughout the entire service, um, that we would draw close to you um, and that we would be a community of believers that um, serve you with our whole heart, that desire to connect with you each and every day and throughout our days and throughout our weeks. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. How many are thankful that you can see? Yeah, and I mean spiritually, you can see. You can see. You may be seated this morning. Um, I always like to mention a couple of praises. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we have talked about how our church family grows sometimes biologically, biologically. So we've got these two little twins and this other baby that has been born to a family in our, in our congregation. We're thankful for that. But also our church grows um, in, a, in another way. Um, if you did not know, our, we have a foster care ministry, a ministry to foster care families. And sometimes in those foster care families, it goes from foster care to adoption. And so there's another way our family, our family grows. And we are so thankful this morning that we're going to pray for what, uh, the, the CAPS. Uh, this week, they're going to be adopting one of their foster care children, which is such a blessing. And so we're going to remember them in prayer this morning. I'm going to have Carrie come up with me when we pray for them because she's part of that ministry. Um, but also, that also reminds us, though, that we need to pray 
continuously for our church to grow spiritually. That we would continue to pray that there would be new babes in Christ. That there would be eyes that would be opened and they, there would be people that would see Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That those kind of babies in the church, we need to continually pray for that. We've kind of, I, I, and I'm sorry about this, but um, we need to pray for these places in our world that are under, under a lot of um, tragedy and attack. Let's not forget, you know, the people that have had to displace themselves out of Ukraine and the many churches that shut down there and just people are scattered all over the world because of that. We need to continue to pray for those that are in that area and what they're walking through. So let's remember them this morning. And also Turkey and Syria, that earthquake um, as the, I don't know if you've been watching that, but the death toll just keeps rising and rise. I think it's above 40,000 now that's there. How many other people are also affected uh, from that 40,000? How many more are affected? And so we need to pray for those countries and what they're walking through. And one more, and this is a praise, but also a prayer request, and you'll hear more about this in the coming weeks, but we have a couple of our young people that are going to be going on mission this summer, David and Daylene, and you'll hear more about that, but it's so we're so thankful that we have a couple of young people that are taking part of their summer um, to be in another country and to be witnesses of Christ there, and so you'll hear more of that, but let's pray. You can think of D&D. Okay, think of D&D, David and Daylene, as we pray this morning. And of course, we're going to pray for our missionaries that are in persecuted countries this day, and also for our offering. So, Carrie, would you just come up here and stand by me? You're just representative of, of that ministry. So, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the different ways that you bless our church. And one of those is this ministry to foster care families. And also to see uh, not only people um, assist foster care families, but also see people who say, uh, we're going to be a foster care family. And then, Lord, to see a foster care family say yes to a child and adopt that child into their family, Lord. So we pray you'll be with the Caps today as they celebrate that. Um, and this week as that goes formally through. But continue to pray for Carrie and Kathy as they lead this ministry to foster care families. We pray this morning, Lord, for people all around our world, um, Turkey and Syria, the families that are, are grieving this day, um, the families that are uh, trying to rearrange life now, uh, maybe losing everything. We pray for those uh, governments and those agencies, Lord, that have stepped in to help them in their time of need. But Lord, we wanna lift them up in prayer. We pray for Ukraine. We pray for the people that have been, especially been displaced and, and, and they're no longer at home. I thank you for the people that have opened up their doors in, in surrounding countries, Lord, that have opened up their doors and taken in people, uh, continue to provide for them everything that they need, Lord Jesus, but your hand upon them. Lord, this morning we want to pray for more opportunities like David and Daylene are going to have this summer, that there, we would be sending out missionaries from this church. And young people especially would have this opportunity to take two or three months away and, 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 and 
just dedicated to the Lord. And so we pray for your hand upon them, and especially as they raise support to be able to go, Lord. And this morning, we pray for the persecuted church. We pray for missionaries that are serving in, in, in harm's way. Lord, your hand of continued presence upon them. And with that, Lord, we know that our tithes and offerings, part of it goes to the missions. Part of it goes to the gospel being spread throughout the world. And so, Lord, we want to give in such a way that this gospel is, is really pushed as much as we can uh, to other places and also, Lord, within our community. So, Lord, use these tithes and offerings to your glory. In thy precious and holy name, amen. Amen. Yeah. So, children, come on up. They're taking the offering, but children, come on up. I want you to come up here and stand with me. I'm going to switch over to my other mic here. So, I just want you to stand up here with me. I want you to stand with me um, and stand and face the congregation. Stand and face the congregation. So, we're looking this way. What do I got? Fishing pole, yeah. I'm guarding this because there's people that might want this. Yeah. When I was a kid, we learned a song. Uh, we sang it all the time. It's called, I Will Make You Fishers of Men. Okay? And what you did is you acted like you had a fishing pole in your arm. And when you said, I will make you fishers, you would, like you were casting of men, and then you'd reel. Can you do that? Try that. Okay, and then there's a part of the song that says, um, and follow me. So that's the motion there. Follow me. Can I try that? Okay, so let's try this song. And anybody in the congregation that knows it, even the motions, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you follow me. If you follow me. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. I had you sing that because that's what the, the adults are going to be looking at this morning is Jesus talking about making us fishers of men. So we're going to sing it one more time, and I'm going to lead you out. And if you are going for kids' church, you'll be able to go to kids' church. If you're going back to your parents, go back to your parents, okay? So are you ready? We're going to, let's, we'll move on. Follow me. Ready? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. Now follow me. If you follow me, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me. Good to have you here this morning. Um, it's been our practice as we have been going through um, books of the Bible that when we get to the end of a chapter, um, we take a, a, a mini break and we do a standalone sermon before we go into the next chapter. So we just finished up 2 Peter chapter 1, and so we'll have this, mini, or this sermon in between, and next Sunday we will be in 2 Peter chapter 2.
So um, this morning is a sermon, but it's also an opportunity for you to um, get a little glimpse of what the transition team is doing. We put together a team, the elders put together a team to say, let's look deeper into the survey that we took. Let's look a little deeper into our mission statement and let's think out loud together. And, and it's been a wonderful time. We've met about four times. We've got about four more times to go. And so this morning is a little bit of that as we share with you about what we've been learning. The first thing is, is that we have a mission statement, and our mission statement for WCC basically has two parts. There's a worship part, and there's a discipleship part. And, and we've been looking at the discipleship part because it's dis, those who are disciples of Christ worship Him. So worship kind of falls underneath there. So we've been looking at the discipleship part of that, and that's why I listed that out, or sang that little song, um, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. Because our guide in looking at discipleship is to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who said, you are to make disciples. So let's look at the one who told us that. Let's look at how Jesus made disciples. And I gave you some passages kind of to start this off. In Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, we see the course, the class started. So this is just one example, Mark chapter 1, verses 14, where it says, Now after John, meaning John the Baptist, had been delivered up into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, that's a really interesting statement. I will, meaning declarative. This is something he's declaring will happen. I will make you become. There's a process. You get the sense there's a process of how they would become fishers of men. And immediately they locked their nets and followed him. And going a little further, they saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went to follow him. And he went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. So here we see the start of it. The class has started. God, Jesus is pulling together the classmates that he's going to have around him. And when I say class, it's a well-rounded class. It's in, in-house instruction, out-of-house instruction. It's, a, it's formal, it's informal, it's, it's hands-on, it's, it's, it's lecture type that he gives them. So it's using all of their senses to understand what he is trying to convey to these men. So that kind of a class that's there. Now, if we jump ahead to John chapter 17, and this is Jesus' high priestly prayer, He's praying to God, and this is just prior to him going to the cross. So now we're three, three and a half years later, and this is what Jesus says. So John 17, starting at verse 14, he's speaking to God. I have given them, meaning the disciples, your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So you get the sense there that, wait a minute, now these disciples look like Jesus. 
He's a, they're identified with him. He goes on to say, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. There's that identification again. There's a, there's a strong identification between Jesus and his disciples. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world. I also sent them into the world. So there's a sending that's going to happen. For their sake, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. So there was a class started in March 1, Mark 1. In John 17, you get the sense that the way that Jesus is speaking, the course is finished. He's finished the course with these 12, at this point, 11, these 11 men, and they've finished the course of discipleship. Now, we jump ahead just a little bit to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and starting in verse 6, this is just before the ascension where Jesus ascends into heaven. It says, so when they had come together, these disciples had come together, they were asking him, Jesus, saying, Lord, is it the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? So they, is this the time? And Jesus answers this way, but he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has set by his own authority. That, I can't answer that. I'm not going to answer. That's not for you to know the answer to that question. Then he says in verse 8, one of the most important words in the Bible, but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. You now take our witnesses of the risen Lord. You shall be my witness both in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, even to the end of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received them by him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come. There it is again, declarative. It's, it's, a, it's a fact. He will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So you get the sense that there was a class started. He pulled together this class of 12. Then the course was finished. The course was finished. He's speaking in that way. And then in Acts chapter one, the collegians are sent now. They're sent out being his witnesses. In a Facebook post I made this week, I said, being precedes making, uh, widening that out. Being disciples or being disciples of Jesus is necessary for making of the disciples of Jesus. So it's, and this is rung true in the transition team. As we've been learning together, as we've been going through material together, I don't know how many times we get done watching something or talking about something, someone in the transition team will say, oh man, I need to start doing that. It starts with me. It starts with me. And that truly is so. Discipleship starts with me with me. So how did Jesus make disciples? Now, I'm, I'm going to ask some of the transition team. Let's see who jumps up here. They're going to be my placard holders this morning. Let's see who moves. Come on. See who moves. I got them in order. You got to stand in order. You're right there. Yeah. You got to stand in order. Who's, oh man, look at them come. I just need eight. I just need eight so you can start counting. You'd be in order here. You want 
Oops, you got four. Five. Six. Oh, wait. I gave you two. Six. Oh, the Josiah. Oh, Phil's going to anchor. Okay. Now, how about you do four on this side, four on that side? Don't open it up yet. Don't open it up yet. So what you get for calling me out? Oh, look at that. Look at look what they did. The women on this side, the men on this side. Yeah. Okay, the idea this morning is to go through these, these eight things that we're looking at. Like, how did Jesus make disciples? What did he do? So the very first one, open that up, Carrie, is initiating. He initiated relationships. He initiated relationships. He, he looked around. And, and he made the first move on that sheet there. I put a, a hello on there. But here's just another example of that is Mark chapter 9, verse 9. Matthew, Mark, Matthew 9, 9. It says, and Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he stood up and followed him. And that's the first part of making disciples is that we need to initiate relationships with others. Realize how important it is that realize that God has put that person on the work line right beside me for a reason. And I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And I, have an I might have an opportunity, and I need to start praying about this. I might have an opportunity to share with them the greatest answer of all time. And his name is Jesus. But there has to be an initiation of the relationship. Now, this is radical because we live in gated communities, no big front porches and closed garage doors. That's the world we live in. We are so isolated from one another. And, it, and, and when you make a disciple, though, they have to start looking outward again. They have to start looking at who God has brought around them. And that even happens in the church. We can get so isolated in the church that we need to start looking around us and who are we setting with and who's in our section and who's in front of and behind us. I'm thankful in the bulletin, uh, Pastor Robert put down, who did you meet today? Who did you meet today? Write down their name. But one of the things being a disciple maker and being a disciple is to initiate relationships with others. The second one, and these don't have to be in order per, per se, but the second one is passionate and prayer. Passionate and prayer. Um, Jesus taught about prayer. He taught his disciples how to pray. He also prayed, again, himself. Being precedes making. And, and here we go to Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. There's other situations like this. And it says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus rose up and went out of the house and went to a desolate place and was praying there, praying there. Being a disciple of Christ, it, it's, it's radical because we tend to call out to God only when it's necessary. That's usually this case. So a, a month back, you know, when the football player had a heart attack and fell down on the field and everything, what did everybody do? They started to pray. I mean, prayer was going everywhere because it was necessary. It was necessary. People know how to do that. But it's radical for a disciple of Christ because now you start praying because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just when it's necessary, although it is necessary. It's not just when it's necessary. It's, it's an ongoing occurrence that you have an ongoing conversation with this one named Jesus. 
That's radical. That's different in, in, in making disciples. So we have passionate prayer. The third one that we have is engagement with God's word. Engagement with God's word. There's many examples of this where Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. That's what they had. He quotes from the Old Testament, and here's just one of them, Matthew 22. You'll recognize these words, verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Comes from Deuteronomy. This is a great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Jesus takes his disciples back to the Old Testament many times. And he, but he engages with the Old Testament. He says, let's apply this that's happening here. Now, this is radical because we tend to go to the world's authority. We tend to Google it. Yeah, if we need to find an answer, what do we do? We Google it. We Google it. And it's, I, I hesitate to say this, but for the Christian, this is your Google. Okay, I shouldn't even have said that. I shouldn't even have said that. This is your authority, the Word of God. This tells you which direction to go. This tells you what to say. This tells you what kind of attitude to have in life. And so that's really radical that we go to this one book, God's Word, and it guides us through every situation in life. We don't go to Google. We go to God's Word. Go to God's Word. So the next one, here's Amy. Humble in service. Look at that. That was the right one, wasn't it? Humble in service. We see Jesus, and this is like the classic of this one. In John 13, John 13, starting at verse 3, you'll know this scene. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from, forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, Taking the towel, he tied it around himself. Then he poured water into the water basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel which he had tied around himself. And if you jump down to verse 14, Jesus says, If I then, Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now this is radical today because we tend to serve to make ourselves feel good. It's really, it's popular today to, to be a part of a cause, to be a part of something, and, and, and to help out the community and the environment and everything else and all that. That stuff is good, but lots of times the motivation behind it, one of the motivations is it'll make you feel better. It'll make you feel better. You'll feel good about it. You'll feel good about yourself, about what you did, kind of thing. Well, this is radical for a disciple of Christ. Because a disciple of Christ, that's not the motivation. For a disciple of Christ, we, we do it, we do humble service because we actually love the other person. We actually love them. We actually are not looking for anything in return. Our eyes are so focused on them and their need that there, there is no need for anything to come back to us. So a disciple of Christ is someone who is humble in service, serving that way. Okay, number five, generous lifestyle. And I put all kinds of things up there. I put your a clock, a money, your ear, uh, your home. And I, I mean that about generous in lifestyle, that we think of it more than just money. So Jesus, 
is in the temple and he is watching, uh, the, the people are putting money into the treasury boxes in Luke chapter 21. And we're going to start with verse 1. And he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two lepta, or two coins, two little coins. And he said, truly I say to you, and he's speaking to his disciples. This is part of the discipleship. He's speaking to his disciples. Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all put in their gifts out of their abundance, but she, out of what she lacked, put in all that she had for living. And that's what he's teaching his disciples, to be generous in their lifestyle. Now this is radical because we have uh, our schedules and our comfort to maintain. We, we factor in our comfort and our schedules to how much we are generous. I always kid around because I'm going to church to church, and, and it's, it, one of the things is money, and, and to find out what their limit is. When somebody says, well, we have no money, I'll say, well, well what do you mean by you have no money? What's the limit? Well, when we get under $5,000, we got no money. I was like, well, it sounds like you got $5,000. Yeah, there's always a limit. There's always a limit to it. Man, when we have limits, you got to watch it. Because you'll trust your limits more than you will trust your God. You will trust your limits more than you trust your God. And you can put that limit on any, any one of these uh, diagrams that appear. And, and probably one more way of saying this. Jesus, we, we got to be really thankful. That Jesus was generous with his lifestyle all the way to the cross. He didn't go halfway there. He didn't go, well, uh, they heard me. It's okay. They got, they got the message. No, he was generous with his lifestyle that he went all the way to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we might stand rightly before God. So we follow one named Jesus who was generous all the way to death. So this is radical. It's radical. Okay, number seven. Consistent community. This is oh, number six. And this is good for Clay to have this one because he does this. Consistent community. Matthew chapter 20. This is just, again, one example. We're just looking at Jesus and how he did this. Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 17, and just it's the setting here. And as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples. He took the 12 disciples. He gathered them up aside by themselves. So they're in this community. And on the way, he said to them. So as they're going, as they're a group going, he's using this opportunity to say something to them. And what's he saying? Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and, and will deliver him over to the Gentiles and mock and flog and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Ooh, what's something to say along the road? Kind of thing. But he's in consistent community. And this is radical because we, we want plug-and-play results. Now, I'm going to push some buttons here. We want plug-and-play results. That's what people like. Do you know what I mean by plug and play? You get something, 
And all you have to do is plug it in and you get to play. Yeah, plug and play. We try to do that even in the church. We want plug and play. We want to be able to come at any time, any place, and just kind of plug in and we get to play. It doesn't work that way. Because God put us here as family. God put us here that we breathe the same air. We use the same bathrooms. We eat, you know, we eat alongside of one another. And it's radical because it's not plug and play. It's plug so that you can know who is setting around you. Start with your own section. You guys are starting to get to your own spots now again. Uh, in your own section, get to, get to know everybody in your own section. Get, to be, get into a small group. Get into one-on-one -on -one relationships with some other people that are there. I pointed at Clay because Clay does one um, at, at Lakeshore Restaurant. Uh, in the mornings, he's got a group of guys that get together and they're consistent in their community. Okay, number, oh, Josiah. Number seven, authentic in worship. Authentic in worship. Where you, these last two are both in John. John chapter four. Jesus is speaking to the uh, woman at the well. And he gets to this point in verse 23 where he says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, this is radical because we have to surrender our self-worship. There's a lot of self-worship that goes on in our world. Any, any commercial, anything that you see, it's all driven toward you as an individual, the self. And it's a worship of yourself. And that can creep into churches too. That, that, that we can be worshipers of self rather than worshipers of God. And a disciple of Jesus Christ, your eyes have moved from yourself to Him. And your eyes are focused on who He is. Who he, and, and because of that, it changes what you do. It changes what you say. It changes how you respond because your eyes are not no longer on yourself. That you're authentic in worship of Him and Him alone in every aspect of your life. Radical. And then the next one, uh, number sharing who Jesus is. In the same passage of Scripture, verse 25, the woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When He comes, He will declare all things to us. And then Jesus said, so simply, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. There was a moment in time, there was an opportunity where Jesus just laid it out just as clear as he possibly could. That's me. And disciples of Christ, those who are disciples, who are, we need to be looking and praying for opportunities when the Holy Spirit opens up the door to be able to say, I need to tell you about the one who has changed my life forever. And his name is Jesus. Radical because we have to let Jesus have the lead role. We got to let him have the lead role. That he is the one that has changed my life. It's not, well, I went to church and it was really good and, and it kind of made it nice. And it, no, 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 no. That Jesus has been transforming my life to be like his. Now, 
What if, my next slide here, what if we were a congregation of disciples who were recognizing and engaged in building relationships with the mission field God has put around us, if we were engaged in personal and group passionate prayer, if we were engaged in God's word to guide our words and deeds, if we were in servant mode rather than consumer mode, if we were generous with our lives toward others, if we were engaged in our community, our church family community, small and large, if we were seeking to glorify God, worship him in every area of our lives, and if we were following the Holy Spirit's lead to speak and act on behalf of Jesus as the Redeemer we all need. What if we were a congregation like that? Well, I'll tell you that, the, and, and this is not the focal point, but the building could not hold you if we were living that. Okay? And, and the whole focus point wouldn't be that the building couldn't contain you. Is that you would be making disciples. As you are being a disciple, you would be making disciples of Jesus Christ. So the transition team, your transition team is asking, asking the question, how can we be like Jesus in making disciples? How can we as a group be like Jesus making disciples? Can, how can we be and encourage this discipleship um, atmosphere at WCC? How can we be ourselves? I think Phil was one of the first ones. I think um, oh, the other guy, um, Dan Wagner, was the other guy that said that right off the bat. I mean, after every session, well, I need to do this. It's got to start with me kind of thing. So that being disciples of Christ, but also encouraging that discipleship atmosphere here. And the third one, how do we bring each of these core values? Because, you know, I said our, our mission statement is about worship and discipleship. If you look up our, the church's core values, you're going to see this list right here. Maybe the words are arranged a little differently kind of thing, but you're going to see the same thing here. How do we make, bring these core values into focus, maybe in a large way, when we're looking at the whole congregation and maybe this will emphasize this core value, or the small way, maybe the smaller setting, or maybe even the single way of how in, it, you as an individual can grab a hold of this core value and live it out. Acts 11.26 says this, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. It's interesting, the order there, which came first. It says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Disciple means a learner. So a learner of Jesus, but a Christian means a follower. A follower of Jesus. There can be many learners of Jesus, but we want people to become followers of Jesus. Fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You've probably heard that phrase before. Fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We want to see people who are denying their very self, taking up the cross, and following after Him. That takes us being that, and that takes us also making those disciples. I, I think I read this in uh, Master Plan of Evangelism. Disciples are handcrafted, not mass-produced. That's a, a, a real, how do disciples get made? They don't get made in a big, in an auditorium. They get made one by one as we come up alongside of them. And then I'll read these three, and they're going to hear from a couple of them. Acts 4.13, Acts 4.13 says this. 
Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and comprehended that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were marveling and began to recognize them. And here's the quality as having been with Jesus. That's discipleship. They had been with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, this one's a scary one to read, but Paul said it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where he is simple verse. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. That's discipleship. You are following after Christ, and you're calling others to even imitate you as you, as you, as you're going, as you are following after Christ. Last one, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When we look into the mirror, that we would see Jesus. Because we're being transformed into being Christ-like, just as the Lord and the, of the Spirit. That's discipleship. And so that's what your transition team has been doing. And there's two of them that are going to share this morning. Phil's going to be the first one. He just want to share a few words about what it's meant to be a part of the discipleship or transition team. You guys can go sit down, except for Dawn. <laughs> Thank you very much for... Yeah. So, Phil, just a few words about so, what it um, means. This is on. Yeah, working. So, um, as you can see, what we're doing is pretty comprehensive, talking about all these different areas um, uh, through the, with the transition team. One of the first things we did was a SWAT uh, survey, talking about our strengths, our weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so, um, just the group that we have is a very eclectic group. It's not, it's not the usual people. It's different people that aren't always on committees and stuff. Um, so we got people that haven't been here long, people that have been here a long time, and uh, people that have served and haven't served. And um, it's an unusual group, and so we get a, a broad picture of, of who we are and what we're doing. And so that was the first thing we did. And then we did a breakdown of the survey. The whole survey that, that everybody had the opportunity to take, it had a lot of information, tons of information. Um, and so there were some things that stuck out that we need to work on and some things that we're doing well but maybe could do better. And so uh, it, it had a very good view of where we are as a church just taken right from that survey. And so um, the next thing was kind of the... Uh, um, graphs and pictures of where we stand as a church. You know, a church grows and, 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 and declines and does all kinds of things in its lifespan, but it, it, we looked at why it does that and where we stand as a church in this, in this graph. Um, and then what we were looking at, we're doing videos by a guy named Kevin Harney, and um, the video series is called Organic Outreach, and it's different sessions uh, relating to what a church really should be. I mean, if a church is, well, it's a lot of cause and effect, like a lot of what he did. If then, if, if we love God, then what does that look like? And that was the first, the first uh, video was loving God, how to move the gospel out of the church. 
so we don't become a bunch of salt shakers hanging around with more, more salt shakers. We work to share the love of God to people outside the church. So um, one of the quotes in there was, many non-Christians believe that we don't believe what we say. That's, that's kind of uh, grabs you. Um, the second session was loving the world. And so, you know, God said, love, love, you just quoted it, love God and love your neighbor with everything you have. And so if you're willing to do that, what are you willing to sacrifice to do that? Uh, what, what are you holding back? Is everything on the table? Are you willing to put everything on the table and say, how can I love others the way God lo loves me? Um, so one of the other quotes in that one was, the purpose of the church is to glorify God, not to meet my needs. Um, that's that's kind of um, grabbing too. So session three was loving the church. That's us, our church family. Uh, we've been in First Peter, and First Peter two nine talks about the royal priesthood, who we are. Uh, do we see each other as royal priests? Is that how we see each other? Um, do I love you enough? to tell you when I think you might be doing something wrong. Um, families do that. We, we're a church family. We need to um, help each other to keep on the path, to do the right thing. Uh, that's, the church is a place where you grow in faith and knowledge. So session four uh, was mind shifts. That change your thinking. Change the way of thinking to unlock the potential for outreach. So there's a bunch of points with that. There were seven different points, but a couple of them were being strategic, not just, not just haphazard and not just, well, if somebody shows up, that's outreach, you know, or, or doing it once a year, that's not strategic. Uh, also, where do we put our money? Is our money going towards reaching others or just serving ourselves? Are we, uh, you know, are we feeding ourselves or are we gonna feed others? Are, where's the money going? Um, and believing that we, be that we belong. Uh, it shouldn't feel like, people should feel like they can belong even before they believe. So someone can come in who doesn't know God, but wants to, and they can feel like they can belong to this group. So Jesus said he came for the sick, not for the healthy. So do we have sick people coming that need Jesus, that don't know him yet? who are willing to become a part of our group until they get to know Jesus, and then hopefully they'll turn their lives over to him. Um, one, of the, one of the most telling things in that series was fatalism to faith. Are we saying, no, we can't do that. That's impossible. We've tried that once and it doesn't work. We can't do that. End, end of story, end of, end of conversation. We have to get past that. Uh, we can't be fatalistic. And so that's kind of where we are right now. Thank that's you, Phil. Story. Yeah. A hand? Wow, he... Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm Dawn Roberts, and except for this, you know, uh, this morning, I've never been up here before, so um, I could use a little grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, um, yes, yeah, so what we've talked about is what we've been tasked with is strengthening and growing WCC. 
So to me, that was like kind of wow. Um, and like um, Pastor Adam said, it starts with me. So I've been looking through all the things that we've been going through and what Phil was, has been talking about. And what, how do I do that? You know, and then how do we do that as a church? Um, so why, why is this important? So learning what it means to be a church, what it means to be a disciple, and then what it means to make disciples. And so I think these are so important because look at, look at our community. I mean, you don't have to look too far um, right here in Washera County, how many people are hurting. And so what, where's the light? Where's the truth in the light? It's only going to come from us. So how do we do that better? So I've just been, um, I'm going to call my husband out here, but we, we had a friend in Oshkosh to say, oh my goodness, my kids are coming home with this stuff from school. And his answer to that was, well, you need to put them in a faith-based church. And I just thought, wow, you know, that's, that's the answer. And the world knows that's the answer. So this is why it's so, so important for us to know how we should be growing. So um, like Phil talked about, we're watching that series called Organic Outreach. And, and what that is is naturally talking about Jesus. How do we share our faith? naturally, just like we would do anything else. Um, so, I, and it's been really powerful. Um, and I hope we can watch that as a congregation. I, th I think that would be great for all of us to watch that um, and take it to heart. Um, so some of the things I've taken to heart from that series um, is asking myself, is it obvious that I love God? I mean, that is a big question. And, and I have to answer that for myself. Do, do people around me know that I love God? Um, is that true for our church? Are we evaluating ourselves often? Do I evaluate myself often? No, I do not, but I should. So that's another thing I've taken from this. Um, evaluate myself. It talked about the church evaluating itself every 30 days. How, how are we doing? You know, who are we talking to? Who are we reaching? Am I willing to give up something I love so that someone can come to Jesus? And so some of the um, examples were, what if we changed our music, you know, and I think that might be something here. What if, what if we got pretty radical with our music and brought in people that have never come to church before? How would we feel about that? Um, and are we, am I, am I focusing on the people that are not here? So it's looking more outward instead of inward. A am I doing that? Are we doing that as a church? And then, do I really love my church or am I critical of my church? That was another thing that really kind of hit me. Am I really praying for this church? Or am I, like we talked about, being a consumer of this church instead of a servant of this church? So that was something that really struck me too. What, what, what is my part here in serving my church instead of being critical and saying, oh, you know, I didn't really like that sermon today. Or, oh, you know, I didn't really know that song or I didn't really like that song. Um, kind of being more of a consumer attitude. So that, that struck me. Um, and then one thing that I thought was just so novel, but uh, am I praying for other churches in the area? Are we praying for other churches? Are we reaching out to churches and saying, what are your prayer needs? I mean, don't we all have the same goal? And I just thought, wow, I, I don't know that I've heard of anyone doing that. So I thought that was pretty radical, and, and what a thought, what a novel idea. Um, so then learning, you know, how to be a disciple. What does it mean for me to be a disciple? What does it mean for me to make a disciple? Um, so it, I talk, thought about, you know, what do I believe about this church? 
Um, what I know from experience is that I came here in 2006. I just kind of walked off the street. Nobody invited me here. I just kind of showed up. And I sat in these seats for a couple of years and just absorbed what I was hearing and what I was feeling. And I thought, wow. I mean, this was really something that I hadn't heard or felt before um, in many years of going to church. Um, and then, you know, after a couple of years, I actually bought my own Bible. <laughs> and I started reading it. And I started going to small groups. And then I started serving, you know, in children's ministry. But I thought, that was just truly transformational and that was just coming to this church and so I know from experience that our Sunday gatherings create disciples that that makes disciples we individually though we need to step up and look outside of ourselves and like we talked about initiating relationships it's not just you know okay the people that are walking in the door let's disciple them it's reaching out to our community learning how to share, learning how to invite, and learning how to seek. And that's something that, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't do. I don't do well. So that's something that I've, I've really taken to heart. And think about all the people I encounter throughout the day. And, you know, what, what am I talking about? What am I sharing? So that's, that's really been something I've learned through this. Um, I know it takes time to make disciples. I mean, it took me several years to even get to the point of, you know, wanting to serve my church. Um, so we need to know that. We need to know it takes time. Um, we need to be intentional. Um, and like we talked about, that's our mission statement. That's why we exist. So it's, it's important. Um, one of, let's see, and then talking about just learning how did Jesus make disciples. I mean, that, that's just been a huge lesson for me thinking about all the time and the teaching and the prayer that he, all the time he spent with those 12 disciples, and then, then specifically the three, how much more he put into Peter, James, and John. And, you know, what if we would do that? What if each one of us took 12 people and discipled them for three years? Like, like <laughs> wow, I mean, we wouldn't be able to hold, hold those people. So that's just been um, really something that's been on my mind. Um, so um, another thing that, um, I, oh, wow, I'm going over. <laughs> Sorry. Um, one thing I've learned is in my work life and stuff, when you're trying to change something, you're trying to build something, you start with the end in mind. So what I've been studying is Acts 2, um, 42 through 47. So I just want to read that quickly. They, which had the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And wow, that just, that really strikes me. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Don.
Yeah, we're going to close out with prayer right now, okay, so that we can shift to hospitality time. And and uh, there is one announcement that my class that usually meets in the library this Sunday is joining up with the class that usually meets in this corner over here. Okay, so just so you know that, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time to look into your word. Thank you for the words of those from the transition team to share from their hearts, Lord, what they're learning. And Lord, we want to be a church that makes disciples, but we realize that we first need to be disciples of, of you, that these things uh, are characteristics of us. So may we go in that vein in thy precious name. Amen.